We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on Road of His Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Game Time. Tune in to the rest of the show for a special discount on your next set of tickets with Game Time. All right, today we are mere days away from the season. You may even be listening to this on the day of the season. The season might have already kicked off. You might be listening on, on your Friday morning commute. Who knows? But season is kicked off or is about to kick off, which means much to the chagrin of our good friend, Aaron Swinderman, uh, it's time for bold predictions. Uh, <laughs> for those that don't know Aaron, he tweeted out, uh, bold prediction podcasts and articles are the dumbest thing fantasy people do. And I was like, okay, well, I'm about to record one in 20 minutes. So, <laughs> um, bold predictions, which honestly, looking back, what, what, here's the sad part about our bold predictions is it's more so just turned into like a predictions show, but they're also just terrible predictions. So like if they were bold, it would make more sense that they're bad. <laughs> right. Well, that's the whole point of it being bold is like, okay, well, if we just took the chalk all the time, then what's the point of even doing it? We're here for entertainment value. I think I only have one chalk pick on my list. So let's, let's avoid the chalk and let's rock. And then, yeah, I, I almost said, said a C word that rhymes yeah. with rock, but <laughs> I almost did too. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if we're that, that sort of show. All right, here we go. Um, bold predictions. We're going to run through fantasy MVP, bust, fantasy offensive rookie of the year, dynasty riser and faller, NFL MVP, number one overall pick, and our Super Bowl picks. Uh, which, and like I looked at the last two years, Dan, you did get the Rams Super Bowl like right as the winner. Uh, but out of I think what's that four eight out of the eight possible correct, we have one. Well, like my dad always used to say, when you're good, you're you. When you're great, you're me. So I'm going to take the win on that, and uh, hopefully we can get more than one right this year. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with our fantasy MVP. So obviously this isn't this isn't necessarily directly correlated to NFL success. Their team could be bad. Their team could be good. Usually if we're picking a quarterback for fantasy MVP, the team is going to be half decent. 
but I'll start us off with Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think this this might be a comeback player of the year slash MVP type award. Um, I don't think they can possibly give him comeback player of the year, uh, A, because of DeMar Hamlin, and B, because coming back from what he came back from, we're not going to celebrate that. Um, but I think that – I don't know if we'll ever see 2019 Deshaun Watson ever again. But I think we're going to get pretty close to it with the weapons of Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore and Nick Chubb and David Njoku. Deshaun Watson is in great position to have a top three, top four fantasy quarterback season, have a top three, top four NFL quarterback season. I think that the biggest obstacle in terms of an NFL perspective for Deshaun Watson is just the AFC right now. But in terms of fantasy, I think that, you know, you know, you have Jerome Ford. He's been hobbled, but it seems like he's going to play. Um, not that that really impacts his volume over overly much, but they they have Nick Chubb, and that's really it that you can rely on for running perspective. I think the Browns are going to be throwing early and often, and I think that Watson's going to run the ball as well. So I think that he is very primed. He has the ceiling of the QB1 overall, and I don't necessarily think that's accounted for in his redraft price, maybe a little bit more accounted for in his dynasty price, but – yeah, I think huge fantasy MVP type season for Deshaun Watson, which is also going to have, you know, uh, uh, fruition and, and positive things for Amari Cooper and Elijah, Elijah Moore, and maybe to an extent, uh, David Njoku. Well, I, I think David Njoku may be the the big part that gets left out of a lot of conversations when people are talking about the Browns. Obviously, we know Amari Cooper is is one of the NFL's elite wide receivers. Uh, we saw so much early with Elijah Moore and, and things just kind of fell off with the Jets. Hopefully we see a resurgence here. But David Njoku and with how Deshaun Watson likes to move the ball around and, and get tight ends their targets, there's a real chance we're seeing a top five, six tight end season out of David Njoku based on how he's been playing. He's looked so good. He's been staying on the field more. I don't know about you know all the time, but He's he's seemingly getting healthier. He looks so good when he is healthy when he's out there. So I, I think I think it's gonna pay dividends all around. You know, Nick Chubb is is gonna do Nick Chubb things. Uh the passing offense I think is going to work a lot more through uh the wide receivers and tight ends than you know, it maybe has in the last couple of years when we we've seen Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt uh really dominate through the through the air that way as well. But uh you know, anybody writing off Deshaun Watson maybe doesn't remember 2019 Deshaun Watson or, or remember Houston Texans Deshaun Watson. He was different. He was special. He was he was pushing for that QB one overall spot and he looked damn good doing it. So I, I do think that there is going to be if it's not an MVP type season, it's going to be a big resurgence. I, I think we see him return to form. Uh, again, maybe not 2019 Deshaun because that's, you know, we're, we're four years removed from that at this point, but it's obviously in there and and knowing this offense being in it for a second year and, and not coming off of a long absence is really big. So I think that yeah, is a great, having, a great having a full off off season with, with Elijah Moore, pretty much was traded, you know, around draft time and having a full off season with Mark Cooper should pay fantasy dividends. And then in Joku, he has one of the higher touchdown ceilings because I don't think that any of the, like obviously Amari Cooper scores touchdowns, but nothing in that offense other than I guess Nick Chubb is like, okay, I'm going to take all the touchdowns. So I think that Njoku has a legitimate 10 to 12, you know, receiving touchdown type season in him. Definitely. I think it, that's a, that's a 
relatively scary red zone offense because you think about how easily Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, for that matter, can get open uh, in those small spaces. And then you've got that big body with the leaping ability of David Njoku plus Nick Chubb plus Watson could very easily run it in. I I think it's going to be a special red zone offense. All right. So I'm going with the Browns quarterback as my fantasy MVP. Where are you going with your fantasy MVP? Well, I'm going to stay in the AFC, uh, and I'm not going to do what everybody thinks and go with Mahomes or Burrow or Herbert or Jackson or any of those guys. We're going to go with the guy that was on pace to probably be the NFL MVP, the fantasy MVP, the MVP in our hearts and in our uh, in our souls. To a tag of Iloa, he had such a crazy good start. Obviously, the injuries are there. But if he is healthy, and I, I think we are on a good path for him to be healthy, you are not touching Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as far as weapons are concerned. I know there's a lot of really good wide receiver tandems and even some trios in the NFL. There's a lot of them. But no one has the speed and ability of the Miami Dolphins pass catchers. And from what we saw of Tua last year when healthy, he can get the ball there. There is no questions about that. Uh, I know that there was some, but if he didn't prove you wrong with with how he looked last season, maybe you were watching with your eyes closed or something because Tua looked great. And I think we're going to see a continuation of that. I I think the Dolphins are going to be one of the higher scoring offenses in the league, whether or not they go and chase down Jonathan Taylor is one thing. If they do that, this offense could be all time-ish. Um, and, and I love with, you know, what Mike McDaniel's doing there. So I see another, another great start and a a big season for Tua. And I I think he can make a move up into that, you know, upper echelon of quarterbacks. I've, I've been saying it a lot in the off season here, but, uh, if he's healthy, he's, he's special. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Tua in recent weeks and how, you know, barring the health, like he has legitimate with the weapons he has like QB one overall type upside, um, looking at his uh, range of outcomes at match performances year N plus one, we have 09 Rivers, 16 Carr, 10, uh, 2010 Roethlisberger, 2017 Carr, and 2012 Matt Ryan. Um, so some very solid QBs in that bunch. A lot some of fantasy M- points. Some MVP, some fantasy MVP type performances among those guys, those guys. And there's Derek Carr, too, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Still a lot of fantasy points. Uh, he was a QB one all those years. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I, I think that the one, I, the one key word here is fantasy MVP here. Yes. I think that if, if Tua has an elite, like QB one overall type season, I think that's going to put Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in the NFL MVP race, uh, which, you know, obviously you don't typically see those players in, you know, wide receivers in an NFL MVP race, but I do think that they're going to be a big factor, you know, noticeably in any sort of fantasy MVP season for, for Tua. We could see a bunch of wide receivers in that race this year. I, I think you know, with the amount of talent at the position, you you have the the hill and the waddle in, in the AFC, plus a, a plethora of other guys, Jamar Chase. But you look at the NFC with Justin Jefferson, we, we've got we've got potential for, especially now with the extra game of legitimate 2,000-yard seasons because of how crazy good these guys are and because of how much passing is taking place and, you know, running is still important, but 
Yeah, I, I think I think we could really see a two K out of Tyreek and like a sixteen seventeen hundred out of Waddle all at the same time, each going double digit touchdowns because if they're in the red zone, they're getting the ball, but they can also score from eighty out. So it doesn't matter. They're going to get to the house. They're going to score a ton of points. It's going to be fun to watch. Is there any significance to a well? What are you looking at in terms of the tight end and RBs in Miami with with, with a two zero breakout performance? Are you seeing some, some anything from Durham Smith, or do you think that it's fully the wide receivers? Do you see the running backs with A Chain or Jeff Wilson when he returns, or Raheem Mostert? Are you seeing one of those guys heavily involved in the passing game, or do you think it's just the two big wide receivers? I think it's going to be the the receivers, but I think the other guys are going to be important role players. I think all of those running backs have a chance to be involved. None of them are probably going to take command. It's it's probably going to end up being a a Shanahan pre McCaffrey you know hot hand situation. Um, yeah, I, I do think that they matter, and I think their roles are going to be very important. But the offense is running through Hill and Waddle. All right, let's move on to our bust of the year. Now, I'm probably not going on much of a dynasty uh, limb here by going with the bust of the year, but I, I, I think that it's the case in dynasty and redraft. It's a player who I think his value has increased over the offseason, you know, over the last month since he signed. And the fact that his wide receiver two next to him has been hobbled, but it seems like he's going to play in week one. We have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he has made his way up into the third, fourth round of redraft leagues he's probably made his way up into the sixth seventh round of dynasty leagues this is an asset that i want no part of with deandre hopkins uh you know we've seen him decline as a receiving weapon and you know it's often hard to rebound from that obviously we've seen you know the likes of like brandy moss like that that have come back from from down seasons but it's not an every year occurrence that we see a huge bounce back from the wide receiver position and then we save it over, over and over with with Titans, uh, you know, re- receiving weapons. We're unsure of the upside of the quarterback position with Tannehill. Like Tannehill is a very serviceable NFL QB, serviceable enough that he's probably not going to get benched from Malik Willis or or Will Levis. And so he's going to keep his job, but he's not going to be exciting enough to like support any sort of like top end wide receiver. And they're going to continue to give Derrick Henry 25 carries a game, which is going to lower the upside of those wide receivers. So. If you're asking me, like, do I want uh, Traylon Burks in the 10th in redraft or do I want DeAndre Hopkins in the fourth? I'm taking Burks in the 10th, 10 times out of 10, not just because he's cheaper, but because I think that, you know, if I were just like putting my redraft rankings together, they would pro- I probably have both those guys in like the sixth, seventh round range right next to each other rather than six rounds apart. Yeah, I, I think the only hope that we may have to see either of those guys have a, a good season, I don't think there's even potential for a big season out of either of them, is the fact that the Tennessee Titans are absolutely horrible, and they may need to throw the ball more than and instead of giving Derrick Henry 30 carries. Um, and I, I'm a nuke lifer. I, I love DeAndre Hopkins. He's he, forever wide receiver one in my heart. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just been kind of a slow roll into into nothingness here i i i can't see a a world where he's you know even like a wide receiver three probably uh just because again it's tennessee now if he were to go if he went to like kansas city or something that's different this is going to be tough i still like Traylon burks but yeah d hop it's it's gonna be a long season i fear 
And looking at the range of outcomes app, his and it, it's it's obvious because it's the case. And range of outcomes actually doesn't even account for age, but his range of outcomes are matching a bunch of, you know, end of career type wide receivers. So we have 2022 Keenan Allen, 2017 Crabtree, 2020 Allen Robinson, 2021 Allen Robinson, 2020 Keenan Allen, and 2015 Roddy White. So a bunch of guys that were definitely near their end is the as the kind of performances that we're looking at right now. Um, there's still some degree of ceiling, but I think that the team, the team is what kills that ceiling and why I think that he is going to be the fantasy bust of the year. Yeah, that's, that's entirely fair. And hopefully they move off of Ryan Tannehill when they start like 0 and 8, but I, I they'll but probably win just either their quarterback. So <laughs> still, it, it's more fun to get somebody that can rip the ball down the field rather than Ryan Tannehill who just hasn't been good aside from the one year. Yep. All right. So who are you busting out? Well, this one to me is obvious, and yet the community loves this guy. Again, somebody I've talked about a bunch as Do they? The, they do. I don't I don't get it. I, I genuinely do not understand the love for Alexander Madison. I get the the position. He moves into an RB1 role. We've seen Dalvin Cook succeed. Alexander Madison has only gotten worse. He he hasn't looked good in three years. And even then, he was a one-trick pony. He's not going to catch the ball. That's going to be Ty Chandler and uh, who they just signed. Uh, uh, Gaskin. Yes. Gaskin's going to be involved, I think, because Kenny Wangu is, I don't know if he's going on IR or if he, he'll probably be designated to return, but he's a return guy anyways. They don't trust him between the tackles. Um, so Madison, yes. Can he grind out 15 carries for like 60 yards? Sure. He is not a game changer. He is not that guy. He is not Dalvin Cook. If you're trying to translate what Dalvin Cook was doing in this offense to what Alexander Madison could do, you're wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Uh, they are very different players. Madison Madison was overdrafted by the Vikings. They've held on to him for too long. They re-signed him for too much, even though it was hardly anything. It, it, it's different. Ty Chandler, I think, has more upside than Alexander Madison Strictly because if you're playing PPR, he could get a bundle of targets. So Madison, for me, I think it's the most obvious potential bust here, uh, and, and I'm not sure that it's necessarily close unless you're gonna take the you know take the olive branches of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, no, with, with Alexander Madison, he is very much seems like the every year we have a propped up RB that because of projected volumes like okay well like somebody has to get the carries there and then they end up just being the same running back that they've been their entire career um the the mike davis of a, of a couple of years ago uh the toby Gerhardt <laughs> of, of like 15 years ago um but yeah i i don't mind madison totally like he's certainly not a target of mine um but i do think that the the volume should be there um if Ty Chandler supplants him, obviously the volume is going to go away, but rather quickly. Um, but I think that the bigger threat to Madison is the Vikings figuring out, oh, like throwing the ball 40 times is going to give us a much better chance to win than giving the ball to Madison 15 to, to 20 times a game. So, And you don't, that, you don't bring in Addison to not give him like 80 to 100 targets as a rookie, and you don't re-sign TJ Hawkinson for the most money that a tight end has ever seen to not feed him as well. The, those three are going to pull 
the majority of Kirk Cousins targets and whatever is left over is probably going to be going to their third down back, Ty Chandler. And TJ Hawkinson. And TJ Hawkinson, which isn't that what I said? Oh, I, I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> Thanks for being here. Just like everybody else, honestly. We released this. Nathan doesn't listen to it while we're recording it. Nobody else listens to it when we post it. So it's good. There we go. There we go. T.G. Hawkinson. Um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I think that the Vikings, with the, their lack of, of running talent and their plus surplus of receiving talent, they could be one of the higher, like, neutral game script passing teams in the NFL. Obviously, things might be different, and they, they end up leading and having to run the and you know running the ball out, et cetera, et cetera. But in neutral game scripts, I expect them to be passing early and often. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's go to our fantasy offensive rookie of the year. This is probably the same thing as offensive rookie of the year, but I threw a fantasy in there just to like factor in price because there's a, there's a decent chance that B. John Robinson is going to be the offensive rookie of the year just because he's going to get 80 million carries and he's going to be very good because he's B. John Robinson. Both of us went a different avenue because we're looking for a little bit more value. You know, Bijan Robinson going in the first round of redraft, going in the first round of dynasty. Both players we took, more so you, but both players we took definitely going a little bit later than that. Um, I'm going to go start with uh, the running back, Jameer Gibbs uh, from the Detroit Lions. I, I'm saying this, that Jameer Gibbs is the fantasy offensive rookie of the year, Dan while also acknowledging that we've been hurt by this archetype, hurt by this statement so many times, uh, Ben Johnson, the, the Lions OC, came out this week and said, like, you're going to be surprised how many different ways we can use Jameer Gibbs or the way we use Jameer Gibbs is going to surprise you. And we've heard that so many times with the CJ Spiller until I throw up, you know, Percy Harvin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so often that player, or Cordero Patterson, so often that player ends up getting underutilized. But – I think that you pair the uh, the flexibility and utility of Jameer Gibbs with a 12th overall draft capital. 
they're going to have to get him 20 touches a game, whether it's catches or receptions or end arounds. Like Jameer Gibbs is going to, the ball is going to be in his hands. And I, I do like that Lions offense a lot. Um, I think that Goff and end up being a little bit overvalued this offseason, but it's because the weapons around him, Monroe St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery are a nice set of weapons around him. Uh, Marvin Jones came back as a veteran wide receiver. Um, but yeah, Jameer Gibbs, I think that he has the highest ceiling for, you know, scrimmage yards among rookies pretty easily. Um, and I, I think that he's going to lead. He's oh, you ready for a bold prediction. Hot take. It's, Jameer, is that show? J- J- Jameer Gibbs leads all NFL running backs in yards per touch. Okay. Uh, I mean, I get it. I, I, I understand the whole bit. I'm just never, ever, ever going to be hurt by a Detroit Lions running back that was overdrafted ever again, mostly because they have such a long, strong history of drafting running backs really high and them working out. Uh, There's probably something in the water in Detroit that keeps ruining everyone. Uh, The only Detroit Lions I have interest in would be Barry Sanders and Jamal Williams. So... I I do get it. I, I I think that there's a better chance he plays wide receiver for them than actual running back. I think you can see David Montgomery having a Jamal Williams type season. Different players, but similar outcomes. I think. I think there's going to be a lot of of red zone looks for David Montgomery. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a fun offense once everything starts rolling, and I do think that Jameer Gibbs is going to be involved. And I don't dislike the fact that he's essentially going to be used as as like a, a just a flex in the NFL where he's going to be lining up everywhere. The problem with that is is consistency. I, I think for a running back, you need a little bit of rhythm, especially when you're going between the tackles. And if you're constantly having that broken up by a veteran running back, that's going to be grinding for three to four yards on all of these carries. And you're going to have Gibbs out there running a billion routes. I, I, that one, I... I I dislike a little bit. I do get it. I do think he's going to end up having a nice season. Um, but I, I I struggle with the that big, big upside outside of a David Montgomery injury or them really, truly focusing on him as their primary weapon. But I also don't think that's going to happen because you still have Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams, when he comes back, is going to be involved. Um, it's going to be a fun offense. I, 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 I want... I do want Gibbs to succeed. I just have absolutely zero faith in it. Yeah, and I think that when you talk about Gibbs, I think that in from a redraft perspective, he probably has one of the lower floors of guys that are being drafted in his range. But that's because it's paired with the upside of one of the most electric playmakers in the NFL, guy who I think can lead the, the running backs in yards per touch. So um, we'll see how the season plays out for him, but that's my take. Um, I think you're going back to the Vikings well here. You know, I'm 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 pretty good at being a homer. Uh, I, I'm going Jordan Addison, and and as somebody who wasn't super super high on Addison, I don't think he could have gotten really a better landing spot outside of again. We always go back to it, Kansas City. This is the spot. Uh, KOC Kevin O'Connell. This this offense is. I mean, it is built on throwing the football. You still have Justin Jefferson, obviously. You still have TJ Hawkinson, obviously. You have two of the premier weapons in the NFL. But you bring in this rookie 
that is is able to get in and out of routes, make his way up and down the field. Is he going to blow you away with his speed? Only in his car, probably not on the field. But he he can be that playmaker. He can be their Adam Thielen. I, I do like K.J. Osborne, and they've been talking him up like crazy. I don't think K.J. Osborne holds a candle to Jordan Addison in what he's good at. So I, I think Addison is is truly primed for a bunch of targets because I do think that Minnesota, like you mentioned, is it, they're going to have a, a big, a big time passing, passing offense. And it's going to be in neutral situations, but I also think that they're going to be trailing a lot and that's going to lead again, going back to Alexander Madison, them not running the football very much and just relying on Kirk who has shown that he can do it as long as it's not on Monday night football or in a playoff game. That, that he can do it. They, they can throw it 50 times. Absolutely they can. And all of those guys can get a bunch of touches. You're going to see Justin Jefferson getting like 12 targets a game, Hawkinson getting 10, and Addison getting 6 to 8. The the running backs will fill the void of what's left, and that that's arguably the floor. I, I think Jordan Addison has one of the higher floors of all of the rookie wide receivers. And to be fair, outside of B. John Robinson, he's He's got one of the higher floors overall as for rookies. Uh, and I could have copped out and gone for one of the quarterbacks. I think Bryce Young is going to have a nice year because uh, of kind of how they're building that offense around him a little bit. You've got some some nice veterans, even though Adam Thielen can't really get down the field as much anymore. So I think Bryce Young would have been my backup pick here. Uh, but I, I think Addison is, is paired with Justin Jefferson is going to be a, a difference maker. Yeah, it, definitely a, a bit of a... And we, I think we said this with Jalen Waddle to an extent last year. I, I know he wasn't a, a rookie last year, but we said Jalen Waddle is to an extent capped behind Tyreek Hill. And I think that Jordan Addison to an extent is capped behind George, Justin Jefferson. Um, but I do still think that Addison has the ability to be one of the better NFL wide receiver twos, one of the better fantasy wide receiver threes. Um, and I think that he has a fairly high floor for a rookie and just the, the limited ceiling is what, you know, you might talk about, but he's also still a first round wide receiver. So the ceiling is still there to an extent. Um, now let's wrap up our dynasty talk before we get into more NFL ish talk where we'll get a dynasty slant. We have our dynasty riser and follower. We've decided as a podcast, um, dynasty riser is a guy that I think both of us have liked for a long time. Um, and it's coming to fruition, hopefully this season and beyond. We have a guy who is a pending free agent. Um, hopefully we'll be walking elsewhere. We have AJ Dillon. A.J. Dillon has the opportunity to do two things. He can earn himself a big paycheck, and he can earn himself out of Green Bay uh, by having a big season. Um, Aaron Jones, he's he's fine. Like, Aaron Jones has never been in any sort of an elite running back, but he's been just enough to keep A.J. Dillon off the field. I think that we see more A.J. Dillon uh, in 2023 than we have in previous seasons, and I think that he has the upside. Like, the thing is that from a dynasty riser perspective – A.J. Dillon doesn't even have to have a big 2023. He just has to have a crescendo, like, building up 2023. Like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it's like, oh, okay, like, he's this good. He's going to get an NFL RB1 job elsewhere in 2024. So this is – the Dynasty Riser here is more about his 2024 production, but also it's going to be his 2023 production building into his future landing spot. I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think – uh, I think another thing that bodes really well is them 
turning turning the keys over to Jordan Love and already the floor kind of being established that both of these guys are going to have just about 200 carries each. And A.J. Dillon, I think, is going to to not only continue to do well in the red zone and get those touchdowns, but I think he ends up getting more involved in the passing game as well. We saw a, a tiny little bit of an uptick last year, getting him into that that 40-plus target range, which it still isn't great. But when you really only have Christian Watson to throw the ball to, somebody's got to get targets, and they're going to lean on these two as as kind of the, the blankie for Jordan Love, the security blanket, if you will. I think we're going to see a lot of two back sets because why not have two of your three best players on the field? I mean, Aaron Jones is still a very good running back. Is is he is he like the the upper echelon? No, but he's still very good. I just think AJ Dillon can exceed him, and he he can be that guy for Green Bay this year and somewhere else next year. So I think we could see him make a big leap just based on his high floor and the potential for an even higher ceiling. Yep, for sure. Now let's go to our Dynasty Faller. Once again, I think this is, and I guess that's the game with Dynasty for you. You're thinking about this, you're thinking about next year. But the Dynasty Faller, I think it has less to do with his 2023 points, per se, but more so the outlook on his future points. And I know we did this last year to an extent. We have Damian Pierce. I think he's a Dynasty Faller because I, I, I do like C.J. Stroud, but I still think that's going to be one of the worst offenses in the NFL in 2023. Uh, they're they're lacking at the wide receivers. When, when Robert Woods is your perceived wide receiver one, things are not going great in 2023. Um, and if that offense isn't good, it's going to be a struggle for Damian Pierce to get his touchdown threshold for him to be a, you know, low end RB one, high end RB two. And then pretty much unless he has a RB one type season, you're going to have all of the dynasty fanatics from January until April saying, Oh, Pierce is going to get supplanted by an RB. Pierce is going to get supplanted by an RB. Like it's going to be happening over and over the one thing that might be in Pierce's favor is that the, the Texans did, you know, deplete some of their draft capital by moving up to get Will Anderson. But I, I still think that Pierce is definitely a, a high risk asset, both from a production and a future standpoint. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me because they were Houston was horrible last year and yet he still found that production. Um, I think the the big issue, not only just in the NFL in general, but for someone like Damian Pierce specifically is the, the replacement value. Uh, he's, he's very, very replaceable. Is he, is he good? Sure. Yeah. But he's also just kind of a run of the mill NFL running back. Uh, if there's any falters whatsoever, he can lose that job pretty quickly. And, and I do think that this year won't be bad for him. Uh, so I, I'm in agreement with you that I think his 2023 points won't have really any indication on his future value. Uh, he, he is one of those like short term, small window type guys where you can absolutely get points and value out of him in this season, but I wouldn't want him going into the off season. If there's any way to, to trade him, if there's any way, uh, you know, if you, if you're going to miss the playoffs or something and you have trade deadlines, get him out at the deadline. He, he, he's going to be worth way more this season than he will be in coming seasons. Uh, at least from the looks of things, especially with how Houston is built, uh, they're going to continue to to add weapons, add pieces, but they don't have much going on this year, and they're going to be bad. I, I think they're going to be in the running for uh, a, a pretty high selection. Obviously, they're not going to replace C.J. Stroud in the short term, but they still need oh, wide not, receivers. It's not, it's not their selection. Oh, yeah, that's right. They traded it. So 
whoever got it is going to have a really high pick. Um, so they may not they they may not be throwing their games on purpose like some teams we've seen in the recent past. Uh, but they're they're still going to be bad because they just have no talent on the roster. Except Amy Hurst, she's okay, <laughs> but definitely a dynasty faller. Now let's get into some NFL awards, NFL predictions. Um, we'll start with NFL MVP. Um, not going overly out on a limb with my selection. I'm going with Lamar Jackson. We have Odell Beckham. We have Zay Flowers. We have Shad Bateman, Mark Andrews. There is some pieces around Lamar Jackson to have his best passing season yet. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy, have the best passing season of, of, of his career, and then just have like a run of the mill rushing. So, like he doesn't have to have the same rushing ability he had in his his first MVP season. But if we match an increased passing ability with a neutral stay the course level of Lamar Jackson rushing ability. That's going to be an MVP season. That's going to be, you know, a top end AFC team. So that's where I'm at with Lamar Jackson is that I think that he could have a huge season with that increased passing production, both due to, you know, the increased weapons, but hopefully an increased volume as well. Well, yeah, you, you talk about that wide receiver room and, and how different it is now than it's ever been. But what I don't think a lot of people realize is that if he plays a full season, he's running for a thousand yards. That. That's just you can lock that in. He's he's already done it twice, was on pace for it two more times very easily. The last two years he's played twelve games each. He had almost eight hundred yards both times. The touchdowns are gonna be there, the run the rushes are gonna be there, the yards are gonna be there. And now you have weapons and playmakers, uh, including Mark Andrews. Don't forget about Mark Andrews. You have Zay Flowers, OBJ. Uh, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a really fun offense. The the one thing that probably will help that that rushing floor for Lamar is the fact that we still don't know if J.K. Dobbins is any good, if Gus Edwards still exists, if that's still a person because he definitely doesn't sound made up. Lamar could genuinely do this. He, he could go overall MVP. He could go fantasy MVP. He could just be that guy that we've seen. We, we know he can do it. The points are always going to be there. It's just to what extent. Is he going to lead the league in everything? Because he could. He can very he can very well throw for four thousand and rush for one thousand. We're you know we're not too far removed from from uh, him being damn close to it. Now I don't think he's he's probably going to get that number because that's pretty lofty when you're you know trying to get you know two hundred carries in a season give or take. But um, we also haven't seen true passing volume out of him. He's only four, thrown four hundred times once, so we'll get there. We'll get the volume. We just need this offense to actually be good and for Harbaugh not to be calling plays like an absolute moron. All right, so are you staying in the AFC North for your MVP MVP prediction? Oddly enough, I am. This was my kind of one chalk pick. Uh, I'm going Joe Burrow. I, I, I think he is not necessarily overdue for like a big step forward, but I still think there's something left in the tank we haven't seen from Joe yet. And when you've got those weapons and that offense on on that team in a situation where you have to be great, you have to be perfect to even come out of the AFC North, not necessarily the AFC West or the the AFC East. Uh, this this whole AFC picture is going to require these guys, these quarterbacks in the AFC, to be at their absolute best if they want to dethrone Patrick Mahomes. That being said, I think Joe Burrow is that guy. I think Joe can be perfect, especially when you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Don't forget about Tyler Boyd in that offense going into what is this now year three. 
Uh, yeah, he's going to be special yet again. And I think he takes that final step into true elite quarterback play where he's not, he's not, I don't know that he's necessarily been carried by his weapons, but they've had a, a much bigger impact on him than he has on them. And I think this year we see that, that role reverse a little bit where we see Jamar chase absolutely rocket to the moon. We see T Higgins have an absolute monstrous season and I still think Tyler Boyd ends up having a really nice year as well. Uh, and and Joe can he can absolutely prop those three up. He, he's going to have the volume. He's going to be good enough. He's going to be efficient enough. They're going to score a ton of touchdowns. This could be a a again not only an uh, an, a, an actual MVP season, but a fantasy MVP season as well. He very easily could have been right there with Tua for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that you could literally tell me that. One of the three big three quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes, those three are going to win MVP for the next 20 years. And I'd be like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, yep. And then I'd be like, oh, wait, well, when did Caleb Williams come in the league? Um, <laughs> uh, but it's pretty much the, the, the NFL is the Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes show right now. More, more so the Mahomes show because he's the one who has the rings. But those three quarterbacks are playing at a level that we re- really – haven't seen other than Brady Payton type of things. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised at all by a Joe Burrow NFL MVP. He's got the weapons to do it. He's going to have the volume to do it. Um, I don't see Mixon becoming some sort of like huge, you know, 25 carry type guy. So yeah, I think all, all of the makings of a Joe Burrow MVP type season are there. The, the one, the one question I do have is if I wanted to go see Burrow play live, uh, do you know of any place to get tickets? Oh, if you want to go to Cincinnati, if you want to go to a Bengals road game or any other game this season, you got to do it with our friends over at Game Time. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets on their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's right. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase so you can see one of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, maybe both if they're playing each other this year. Who knows? Um, yeah, I think Chiefs and Bengals is week 17. All right, so we'll wrap up the show with our final two things. We're going to guess or predict the number one overall pick and the Super Bowl. I'm going to start off with some wishful thinking in a weird way for the number one overall pick, but I don't think it's that far-fetched. Um, Vegas doesn't either. I believe they're the third or fourth 
lowest team win total projected behind the Texans and the Cardinals. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the problem with the Bucs and why they probably won't get the number one overall pick. They have some very good players on their team. As of now, they have Mike Evans, which, Dan, I, I might have to apologize for you. I've been telling you all offseason Mike Evans wasn't being traded. And then he, he had his agent, agent mouthpiece saying, hey, uh, I'm not going to sign a deal past week one. So that's bad for me as a Mike <laughs> Evans lover. Um, but they have a lot of good players. Like, as it is, stands now, we have Mike Evans, we have Vita Vea, we have – uh, Chris Godwin, you have some pieces on that defense. Devin White is debatable. Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr. There are some good players on this team. Usually when you have that many good players, you don't finish with the number one overall pick. There are two very important factors that could result in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having the number one overall pick. Number one, the head coaching. <laughs> it's so Tom Brady made the playoffs with the Buccaneers last year and then got trounced by the Cowboys. It still may have been one of his most impressive seasons of all time because he was able to make the playoffs overcoming the coaching of the Buccaneers. Uh, Todd Bowles was absolutely terrible in every single decision-making standpoint and every single play-calling play standpoint from what we can see. And he had Byron Leftwich as, as the offensive coordinator, who was terrible. They hired, hired Dave Canales, which, you know, as a Bucks fan, you know, optimistic, I guess. Turned around Geno Smith. Can he turn around Baker Mayfield? But if if Todd Bowles is the number one reason they could finish with the number one overall pick, the number two is Baker Mayfield. It, you know, even the flashes of Baker Mayfield, it's like, oh, he had that one good game. He still like completely like 50% of his passes in that in that Raiders game. So uh with Baker and Todd Bowles, anything is possible and anything is possible in the wrong way. All right. This is a bold prediction show. Uh, hold on. Let me sit up for this. <clears throat> not only are you wrong, Nathan, I, and I trust me, I understand because there's a lot of factors that's going to lead to the Bucks having probably a really high pick. However, when they don't trade Mike Evans and Rashad White ends up being like a top 15 back. Chris Godwin does Chris Godwin things. The defense is surprisingly okay because of said weapons you mentioned. And then Baker Mayfield has comeback player of the year type numbers. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South. No, no, damn. The NFC oh. South consists of Atlanta, who will win no more than six games. The Saints, who will win no more than four games. And who am I forgetting? Panthers. The Panthers, who may not win a game. Their defense is okay. <laughs> the Bucks are just as likely to have the number one overall pick as they are to get in as an 8-9 and nine or 7-10 and ten division winning team. I, I can't, I can't do another seven and ten division winning season. It, it I'm gonna be stressed enough as it is this fall. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a bold prediction show. I'm saying Bucks win the NFC South. All right, uh, my first overall pick. Again, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to go chalk. It's more so that I just love talking about how bad Arizona is significantly 
and I mean significantly worse than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams not great. Arizona may, on paper, be the worst team outside of the 0-16 Detroit Lions team in the history of the NFL. From top to bottom, this team is atrocious. From coaching to whoever's going to be playing quarterback until Kyler Murray comes back, and even then, we don't know if Kyler Murray's even any good. We've seen some flashes, but most of what we've seen is him being bad. Defense is, I mean, you and I could play defense for the Arizona Cardinals and just weaponless on, on offense outside of Hollywood Brown. And I truly feel for that man because he is going to, he is going to get absolutely manhandled all season. So I think the cards is the obvious one. I didn't mean to be chalk. They're just so bad that, I mean, if, if they win two games, I would I would be genuinely surprised. Yeah, no, in terms of like if you're laying the betting odds, especially because theoretically, I, I don't think that's what we're going for here, but theoretically they have two legitimate chances at the number one pick with the Texans pick and their own. So, I mean, if you're guessing like who is going Caleb Williams to be fighting for, it's probably going to be the Cardinals at this point. Um, you know, They're going to have one and two. Get ready for that. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the Caleb, I mean, I know you, you, you we, uh, or I guess you have discounted Hollywood Brown because the Cardinals offense is going to be bad. Imagine a 2024 offense of Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. And Hollywood Brown. <laughs> like they, they would go from one of the worst offenses to ever be produced to one of the best young offenses in NFL history. Yeah. They just got to find a coach that has any idea what's going on. I mean, I think the memes are overdone. The, mo- the memes are getting overdone with, with uh, Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> although if he goes two and 15 who knows if jonathan gannon survives uh you know getting that number one pick um next we'll have our super bowl predictions uh i'm gonna start off with pretty much chalk ish uh the eagles the eagles are pretty clearly head and shoulders above everybody in the nfc the only people that are anywhere close are the niners and they still have a question mark of how good is Pro- brock purdy actually I, I don't see Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, barring injury, losing at all to the NFC. Like, they'll probably have a, one or two losses to the AFC in the regular season, but I think they get all the way to the Super Bowl um, without losing to the NFC at all. There's a bold prediction for you. Um, and then they face the Buffalo Bills, who they beat. Once again, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, I think they're going to be trading off Super Bowl appearances. This time, it is Jalen Hurts going over Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean the Eagles are are a special team that that NFC East, and I know people want to love to hate on the Cowboys, but on paper, the Cowboys are are right there with the Eagles. Now, how they perform is a lot different than how they look on paper. So, yeah, the the Eagles I feel like is is pretty chalk, and I you know I love Josh Allen. I feel like the Bills continue to take steps in the wrong direction. They they're not really getting better in anything. In fact, they're at best maintaining where they were. Um, I don't I don't see them even winning a playoff game this year, uh, unfortunately, just because of how crazy the AFC is and how much better a lot of those teams actually got. Plus, you still have to deal with Patrick Mahomes and the plethora of other crazy good teams. So, I, yeah, I think the Eagles is arguably the ob- most obvious NFC pick. Uh, and you mentioned Brock Purdy and the 49ers. I actually do have the 49ers and an NFC team also winning on my side. 
I'm taking the Niners uh, mostly because of how crazy that defense is. But also, if Brock can just game manage. Quick question, though. Is it crazy sans Nick Bosa? Doesn't matter. I know he's an anchor, and, and he's like that that matters a lot to them. But I still think there's so much talent on that roster, both offensively and defensively, that they're going to be really tough to beat. I think the offense is going to surprise a lot of people. And all Brock Purdy has to do is game manage. He's going to let his playmakers do all the work. When you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey in a Shanahan offense, uh, that's equally scary to me as as going up against Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Devonta Smith. Um, they're, they're going to be fun to watch. I think the Eagles-Niners is going to be a fantastic NFC Championship game because I do think that's the NFC Championship game. Uh, but I have them winning over Tua and the Dolphins. I, I see Miami making a big leap this year, watching their offense carry them. Uh, hopefully their defense can get a little bit better because they've got to try to stop somebody at some point. But if this offense does what I think it, think it can do, this Miami team can go a, a, as far as Tua can take them and his health. Uh, they can very much be a, a clone of Kansas City and what they've been able to do, but with arguably more explosive weapons. Obviously, Casey had Tyreek at one point. I think Tyreek and Waddle can carry this offense uh, on the shoulders of Tua to a, a Super Bowl appearance. I really do. So I think it's going to be fun. Uh, the AFC East may, may, in fact, have a uh, a Super Bowl participant. And, and let's not discount Aaron Rodgers and the Jets either. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of, like, NFL, like, cinematic uh, entertainment value, I think a Jets Super Bowl run would be very fun to watch. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers has enough in the tank left to beat Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, maybe even throw Dolphins in there, too. Um, But I will say, from an NFL viewing perspective, this year and every year for the next however many years, the AFC is just going to be so fun. Yeah. watch the playoffs absolutely i i'm i'm very much looking forward to it i can't imagine wait. a dolphins bills playoff game where you didn't have to watch skylar thompson <laughs> i know well, hey we might get it this year who knows all righty that should wrap us up our bold predictions hopefully these predictions aren't as terrible as the last couple of years um but just to run through them one more time fantasy mvp deshaun watson and tua Bust of the Year, Hopkins Madison. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Gibbs Addison. Dynasty Riser, A.J. Dillon. Dynasty Faller, Damian Pierce. MVP, Lamar Jackson and Burrow. Number one overall pick, Buccaneers and Cardinals. Super Bowl, Eagles over Bills. And Dan has the Niners over the Dolphins. That should wrap us up for this week. Any last words, Dan? No, just make sure you head on over to Game Time. Save $20 on your first purchase. Nathan, what's that promo code? Rotoviz, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. Here we go. Hello.